Hey ladies, I'm Kendra. I'm Nama. And I'm Adelise. And we are Three Three Dope Dope Wives. With over 20 years of collective experience, we're here to give you an inside look at what marriage is really like. Honey, we are airing out all the dirty laundry, spilling all the tea, and telling all the business. Are you looking for something really real? Then honey, pull up a chair and grab your favorite cup of something hot as we dish on all things marriage. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Three Dope Wives, the podcast that gives you the insight into the real married life. I am so excited to jump into today's topic with my homegirls. You guys, how have you been? At least you just had a birthday. I did. I did. I had a birthday and it was good. Um, you know, we out here in these uh, 96, 97, 98, 99 temperatures. So the only thing that I wanted to do for my birthday was just be in water. Okay. So my husband made that happen and we went to a lake. We went to Lake, um, what is it, in Oklahoma, Lake Murray. Um, beautiful mm-hmm. lake. The water was amazing. There wasn't that many people out there. I mean, it was great. And then I also, he, he, uh, surprised me with like a small little get together at the house. Um, and we built our own slip inside girl. I felt like a big old kid. Oh, that sounds like, nice. so I, so know. <laughs> oh, I wanted to be invited, I was so <laughs> um, but I just wanted to be invited. So I could be like, Oh, thanks for thinking of me. Um, I came it was literally like maybe two of our other close families and it's because they have kids. And so oh, it was yeah. super small. And it was literally he was like the day before he was like, oh, I have something planned for tomorrow. And I was like, mm, but you didn't have anything planned when I asked you if you had anything planned. But <laughs> and he pulled it together. Whatever. Yeah, he he it like, the brother together. was resourceful. You got to give, right. give him, give him his like, kudos for that. Yep, he, was, yep. he was. He was. And it came out. Yeah. He came out. Came out good. Like he had a cake. He got it catered for okay. everything. So he he pulled his life together last minute. Okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> we go. Big ups to Edgar. Big yeah. ups. Yeah, he did good. That's he did up. good. No, so. what you been into, chick? Everything, but I mean, we thank God for life. So, hey, I mean, just hanging in there, mm-hmm. doing my own thing. Yeah. Trying to stay here. safe. Trying to stay safe or saved? Safe and saved. Oh, she's <laughs> <to> <laughs> Hey, you know what I mean? Because lately, staying saved is difficult. Right. Right. The <laughs> devil, the devil be testing left devil, and right. Man, I want to just put some put some claps on that. For <laughs> real. The devil tried to come for it. For real. For real. What about you, Lakandra? You got a lot of exciting stuff going on. I know. I do. Well, you know, I've been working on this fertility journey. And then I got my good, uh, we call it the BFP, big fat positive. That's when you get okay. a positive pregnancy test. So I am so, so excited. excited, and it's so crazy because I'm I'm sharing it before people normally share. You know, people don't don't nobody say they they don't even announce it. It's like all hush hush until you like six or twelve weeks, right? Pregnant. So you in the clear, yeah. <laughs> but you in a, I'm like, hey, I got a positive. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> That's a yeah. celebration. I know, right? A stream girl. So. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I was uh, just sharing. I have a personal little uh, support group that I created on Facebook that's really for those that are here to support our fertility journey, my husband and I. 
And um, yeah, I popped it in that group real quick, my little pregnancy test and t- shared it with everyone. So, you know, he's just trying to ride the, w- ride the wave of the good vibes. So um, just so excited, so excited about that, but just ner- uh, nervous and cautiously optimistic because, you know, whenever you have a loss, you know, you're just kind of, you're kind of shell shocked from the experience, yeah, of you know, course. and of so. Course. So we're super excited. I mean, it's just a myriad of emotions. You just you just go on the roller coaster. So we're hopeful. We got a due date February nineteenth. But oh my uh, gosh, that's so I'm exciting. excited for you. Forever away though. See, that's the thing when you learn that you're pregnant so early, it seems like pregnancy is forever. <laughs> But it's total. It's gonna be so fast. It's gonna go by yeah, so. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna go by so fast. First, I mean, July is almost here, and then before you know it, no, August. Know. Oh, I'm excited. We got a lot coming up, boy. So I mean, as and then on top of that, we have Father's Day coming up. I know. So and that's what we're here to talk about, right? We just want to talk about the fatherhood effect in marriage. Um, so many people uh, go into marriage relationships and they come from differing backgrounds, right? Like you got folks who uh, who come and they've had both of their parents married and they're still together. There are people who have come from homes where their parents were married and then they're divorced. And then you have people whose parents were never married, but they cohabitate. Or you have people whose parents were never married and they were never even together, right? So they just... Right. They, they, did a thing and then had a result, right? <laughs> and so then you got uh, people whose uh, parents were together, never married, but they broke up. And, right. you know, so then you have this this breakup factor. And a lot of times that breakup factor includes breaking up with the kids. Or there are some uh-huh. who break up, right? There are some that break up, but then they, they maintain relationship with the child. Right. So, right. so many different family dynamics that can happen and all of which impact how you see relationship and how you interact in your relationship. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's just so many different ways that it impacts your relationship. Like the first thing I'd say is that, you know, I feel that it impacts your self-esteem or your self-image, right? Mm-hmm. Very true. Very so, true. so I guess, so we can, we can kind of sort it out and, and know the perspective of where we'll be talking about. So what about, Y'all too. So were you guys raised with the father? What was your family dynamic like when you guys, um, you know, were, were being raised? Okay. So, uh, yeah, no, no, it's fine. I, um, I grew up in a single mother home. So weird. I, I have uh, two other siblings. I am the only one from my father and they have the same father. Um, but growing up, my mother was with neither of our fathers, (laughs) Um, okay. and she had a, she had a long time boyfriend who wasn't a father. Um, and, and then that was over. So, so I, I was raised by a single woman just in kind of these crazy, uh, I want to say unstable relationship statuses. Okay. Right. What about you, Noma? Um, I was raised with my dad. My dad was very present, um, in our lives. Um, your parents married? Yes, they're married. Um, I should have started with that. Yes, they're married. They've been married for what? A long time. <laughs> um, but they, but, That's a long time. but I've been married <laughs> forever basically <laughs> since I was born. Right. But but yeah, they I had I had, you know, I'm should I say that, you know, I 
consider myself not lucky, but I say I consider myself blessed to have had both my parents, you know, grow up with both my parents. So mm-hmm. what about you? Um, so I'm very similar to your situation, Oma. Um, my parents have been married for, I want to say either 35 or 36 years. I know they're, I know their wedding anniversary because my mama always, I don't understand why they do this, but they always feel the need that they need to remind the children of what their anniversary <laughs> yeah. is. And I'm yeah. like, but that's not my anniversary. That's your anniversary. So why do I need to anyhow? So they've been married, um, for, well, I think it's 35 or 36 years. Um, my father has been in my life, my whole you know, my whole life. Um, and so I do have siblings as well. And I, and he, my father has, um, actually five kids from his previous marriage. And so, um, he, he was there for most of their childhood. And then, um, cause he was in the army. So he, he also was still kind of away back and forth, um, for work purposes. But, um, when, um, the first marriage ended and he got with my mom, I feel like from what I remember, the relationship kind of grew distant with um, his first set of kids. Was he still involved? Yes, but not present every day the way he was in my life. So there was a little bit um, of different dynamics there. Um, so, so yeah, but I definitely think, um, Kendra, going back to what you were saying on the things that, you know, a fatherhood can affect, you were yeah. first saying self-image. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah, and and I and you know to add on that, Kendra, I want to commend you because you know, a lot of people say you know I grew up with this, so I just gotta continue, and this is just how it is, you know. But mm. you know, with you, you have decided that that's not gonna be your case, and you've been very intentional. And now you're married, and you, I mean, you're about to have a baby, which I'm very excited for you about. Thanks. Um, and you're gonna be in their life. And oh, that is yeah. amazing. Both of you are going to be in your life. And, you know, I, I commend you for doing that because, I mean, not everybody does that. But for the fact that, you know, you, you're doing it and you're still doing it, you're, you're, <laughs> still, you're still married yeah. and you're about to have a baby, um, I commend you for that. So I, I just wanted to put that out there. Well, thank you. I mean, I think that um, you, as a child, when you're growing up in certain uh, environments, you uh you make your own determination right as far as like how is this impacting me right and what is it that i want of what i see and i didn't like the fact that my sisters had a different father from me i didn't like the fact that i didn't have a father present you know or that positive role uh male role model in my life to kind of give me that first dose of um, I want to say healthy male love. Right. So, and I always longed for that growing up. And I said to myself at a very young age that that would never be my story for my children, right? Um, and with that goes a lot of uh, a lot of different emotions, a lot of different fears. For example, one thing that I always thought I would be afraid of is if I had a daughter, would I be jealous of my daughter's relationship with her or dad? her father. Right, right, right. right. You hear that a lot. I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, and it's, and I felt like, and, and, and my daughter is not here, but I'm just saying like the, the fear of being jealous of my own child is just, uh, it's, it's a crazy thing to even consider that it is that, that, that and, and then that makes me feel like, oh, my God, what kind of horrible mother am I going to be? 
<laughs> so it, it, there's 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 a lot of ways in which growing up without your father and then finding yourself married sort of um you know kind of marries right so so yeah. you that brokenness is yeah. still it carries over right it does it does and it does it does not go away with age trust me it does not because 40 is on the horizon and that brokenness is still like hey i'm in your rear view how you doing (laughs) yes so how would you say like being raised and i guess we can kind of go you know based off of how how our experiences were like how would you say that your um being raised without your father or being raised in a in a single mother home kind of molded your identity and how you saw yourself in the world yeah what would you i want i mean like i don't want my mom to like my mother i think she did her best you know she did all she could right. but um but a woman is not a man and there are different there right there are values that a father instills i believe in his children that uh the mother just does not have the wherewithal to do right because she's not built that way so i feel that the way that it impacted my self-image was the affirmation that you get in feeling secure in who you are so is it okay for me to be my you know my quirky self um, right. There are a lot. There are a lot of different things, right? You, everybody has a unique personality, but how right. comfortable you are in your own skin, I think that comes from feeling like it's okay to be you. And I believe that affirmation, especially for girls, comes from their father, right? Um, you're yeah. odd and whatever. You're nerdy, or you're, uh, or you're outspoken and you're outgoing, yeah. or you're, you know what I'm saying, or you're quiet and you're reserved, or however you are. Um, I I find, and this has just been my experience, that I've struggled with just being comfortable with myself, right? And just being comfortable with who I am. Like there are things that are just me, and over time, I'm learning to accept these things about myself that are just indicative to my personality and who I am. But I think that you get that in your adolescence and in your, you know, in your youth as you're growing up, it kind of, you know, gets shaped into you that it's okay to be like this, you know, from, from your family. So I think that's what I miss. But I guess just to ask you guys, do you feel that that was something that was cultivated in your relationship with your father as you saw yourself growing up? So for me, um, I definitely, I, I, I a hundred percent think so. And I say that because, um, there's a lot of things that I have for my mom and there's, but I, I feel like I have more for my dad qualities, looks, just everything. I feel like I have a lot from my dad. And so, um, the things that I saw him do, Um, good and bad, the things that I heard him say to my mom, good and bad, things that he instilled in me, good and bad. I feel like that's what, that's who I am, right? Like that, all of that collectively makes me who I am. And this is why I see things the way I do. And I believe the things that I do and the morals and the values and everything is because I believe that my dad instilled these things in me. Mm. So for instance, like my dad always used to tell me, like, you don't rely on a man for anything. Mm. He always like he taught me when I tell you everything like I am. I would like to consider myself very domesticated. I can do a lot of hand on things, a lot of like woodwork projects, fixing things. But that's because my dad taught me. 
Mm. Right. So he always, always said, like, you don't rely on a man for anything. You don't rely on a man for anything. You be independent. You do this. Now, was that like kind of almost like a, like an oxymoron almost because he wanted me to get married. Right. So he knew that I had to be. <laughs> He knew that I had to rely on a man some some at some point in my life, right? <laughs> right. But right, I think right. I think his purpose of, of always telling me that was just for me to be self sufficient, right? Like right. to to have my own and to and to work for things and and to not think that I'm just gonna get a handout. Um, so that's mm-hmm. one thing that that is one um, I guess you can say attribute or saying or what have you that definitely, um, developed my self identity because I walked in this world, like I don't need you and I don't need you and I don't need you <laughs> and I don't need you. Cause I got this right. So right. it definitely played a part in my self identity. Wow. What about you, Nama? I would say, um, I would say both parents equally did play a part in my self identity. I'm not, I'm not a daddy's girl as much, but I would tell you there are a lot of things that I learned from my dad that I still have now. The way my dad saves, he's so good at it. And he, you know, he, he, he taught us at a very young age to know how to do that. And also the way he, um, like Adelise too, he always taught us not to be dependent on any guy. So in terms of you getting your education straight, you know, you getting your ambition straight. If yeah, you want something, huge. you know, like if you're a go, like if you need something, you go get it. Like nobody is, it's not going to fall automatically on your laps. You got, you have to go look for what you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, and he also taught us never to, there's one thing my dad always says, you know, it's all in the mind. If you want something, it's all in the mind. If you, if you're going to put your mind to something, you're going to, you're going to get it. If you don't put your mind to it, then you might as well forget about it. And mm-hmm. there was another thing he said that also stood out too. You know, you stoop low to conquer. If you want to conquer, you got to humble yourself. Okay. And you're going to see that you're going to conquer. Uh-huh. But if you're proud and arrogant, you probably might not um, conquer the way you want to. But when you stoop low, you and, and stooping low doesn't mean that you should be a doormat now. That's not what I'm talking about. Stooping low means like always be humble, be humble yeah. in everything, in every venture, in everything that you want to do. And you can attain like every height that you want to get to. And, you know, in, in life now, being a mom, being a professional, being I mean, everything that I do, I always elevate i always find a way to elevate people even if i know that i have stuff i'm bringing to the table i always have find a way to praise them because people love people love praise people love admiration people love all that right so i always find a way to do that before i put myself forward um and go ahead no, I was going to say, so when it when it comes down to just the self-image of it, right, when right. We, we break down uh, self-image and we look at, you know, your self-esteem or how you see yourself um, right. or how you identify in the world, because I mm-hmm. feel like the way you guys are talking, like, I feel like I got that same lesson from my mother just because, okay. you know, I watching her, she didn't have any help. 
So right. if you were going to get up and do something, you better get up and do it or you're not going right. to have nothing. So, right, right. so you get what I'm saying? Like, so mm-hmm. that was, so I feel like there was a similar, similar lesson in that. But yep. what I'm looking for more or less is like, how, how do you identify? You get what I'm saying? Like, I feel like the brokenness that as a, as a fatherless daughter, I see is that you don't fully know who you are. You know what I'm saying? You and don't so I think fully... we, I won't, I don't really experience that brokenness because I had my dad. Right. Right. So I think it's just, it's just a void. Right. So I, I think feel yeah. that like it impacts your, I, I want to say your confidence or your, you get what I'm saying? Cause this is what I wonder. It, there are times when I, um, I know I'm smart. I mean, I'm hella smart. I've, I, I know I'm well-read. I know I'm educated, but there are times that I struggle with issues like imposter syndrome, like, Oh, maybe I'm not as smart as I think I am. Or maybe there's somebody that's more valuable than I am, or maybe they know. And so then I find myself, um, you know, working extra hard to overcompensate for that insecurity. And so right. I wonder, do, um, is that, a, is that something? I, I feel like the women that I've encountered that have had their fathers just seem way more settled, way more confident more in confident. their own ability or whatever they're going to do. I was like, I can do it. And if they don't do well, they're just like, Oh, it's fine. It's oh, okay. Well, the world is yep. next. Right. I, I mean, I, and that's not the same for me. Like if it does not go well, the world is crashing down. <laughs> Right. Because what I think and this is what I think and tell me if I'm wrong, but what I think is that you have the comfort of knowing that there is a safety net to catch you there. Like your dad is there. So if something ever goes wrong, you can go, daddy, you know, I need that. Right. You know, I don't and I don't, right. I don't have a day. I don't know nobody to call. I call my mom. She's going to be like, girl, you better figure that out. Right. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> and I, I, I definitely think that there's a lot of truth to what you just said, that daddy's always there. Right. Because I, I am daddy's girl to the 1000th infinity power. Like <laughs> I am a true daddy's girl. Um, And I do know that if I don't have a pot to piss in or if something goes wrong, I can definitely rely on my dad. And I can rely on my mom too. I can rely on both parents. However, there's comfort in knowing that my dad is there. Yeah. And so I do think there is a difference between not having that available and not having that comfort and knowing that versus having it. So that I definitely think it plays a huge part. Yeah. I I do think he plays a huge part, but I'm not a daddy's girl. I'm more of a mommy's girl. And I mean, when I mean mommy's girl to the T, I I have every characteristic that I have, let's just say 95% is my mom. And <laughs> the remaining five, you know, which rarely comes out is my dad. Um, but but I do think I think for me the person that always kind of did the reinforcement for me, like the first person that I would call when I had my downtimes and all was my mom. Um, um, my dad just kind of like added that extra reinforcement for me. Mm-hmm. My mom was like the first point of contact. Like if somebody said something to me and I was wailing or I was sad or if a guy did something to me or whatever, like the first person that I could, at least say something to was my mom and then you know my dad would give after my mom has finished having the discussion with my dad then my dad gives the reinforcement that you know I I need to hear but um in terms of in terms of my personal life and other things I think my mom 
and then in terms of just growing as I guess like as a prof professional and every other thing else like savings and all I would say like that I don't think my in terms of figuring out who I was or just that law I, I wouldn't say my dad I would say really? my mom yeah I would say my mom too like my mom is almost like my best friend like I can literally tell my mom anything well like, that's awesome anything so but, always... my, but my dad but my dad definitely did play like I have things that I got from my dad that you can right. see but majority of the things that I do and the way I act and you know everything comes from my mom so when you but, see my when you see me you see my mom pretty much but do you feel at all like your dad was a grounding force in your life he was in terms of the kind of horse. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you what, how, you know, the kind of, I saw that my dad, you know, provided for my mom. My mom had her own thing, but I saw that my dad provided for my mom every time. So mm -hmm. in terms of the kind of husband that I picked, I wanted that because that's what I saw. That's that's how I grew up. That's what I was used to seeing. Um, you know, um, I didn't. I didn't, when I, when I hear people do all this 50, 50, it's kind of like strange to me because that's not what I saw growing up. Uh -huh. um, um, my dad was the breadwinner. My mom had her own thing she was doing, but my dad was the, like the sole provider. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of like what I wanted in a man. I wanted a man that had his own thing. I didn't want a man that was living in his mama's house. Now I'm not saying that men that live in their mama's house are bad. I'm just saying that's not what I wanted. That's not what I saw. Right. Um, so in terms of getting the partner, my partner that I wanted to end up with, I would say mm. that my dad, just having my dad around made me, made my standards very high for the guy that I wanted to be with. So then let's talk about the relationship aspect of it then, because that right. is another way that fatherhood does impact uh, um the daughters as you're right as you're growing up and as you're choosing a spouse right and mm -hmm. you get to right. see what <laughs> is <laughs> what is healthy or what is unhealthy and do you right. feel like I, I can say for myself I never a healthy or I was never I never had a front seat daily witness to what a, a healthy uh loving uh, husband and wife relationship should look like and right. I don't know I don't know the function of your parents marriage so I don't know if it's 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 healthy and loving if it's dysfunctional and crazy and they're just still together I don't know but do either of you feel that uh that your parents set a precedent for what you think is to be healthy uh healthy marriage relationship um I would say my parents did set a precedent but I thought it was too good to be th true, if that makes any sense. In the sense that, in terms of fight, like when they had their argument and all that, they didn't want us to see all that, right? And so we, I kind of grew up thinking that that doesn't exist. Mm. They're married, but it does. So I think as as I as I started telling my mom things that I was in wait, wait, let me ask you something. Y'all didn't y'all didn't feel the tension in the space? Like when the y'all didn't even feel the feel the energy from the silent argument? <laughs> I'm just wondering. <laughs> I know they didn't argue in front of the kids, but I'm sure they was making eye contact like mm, going to the park. I know. 
Right. I mean, I mean, I mean, when we when we became adults, then we began to pick <laughs> those things up. But uh-huh. when we were kids, like like ten year old, we're probably like mm, they're just they're just doing their thing, you know. We didn't, I guess, we didn't see it like oh, it's a big deal. Yeah. Now, fast forward to me being married. Uh-huh. I'm going through all these issues and I'm like, uh, what's going on? And, my mom, and then, you know, when they notice that, now it's almost like if anything is happening, it's like you're going to see everything. Like, <laughs> they, they, I mean, so it's yeah. almost like when we were younger, they just wanted to portray this picture of a loving and happy right, which, style marriage. Right. Which, which I guess. You know, as as a young kid, I guess it's a good. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing to see. Do you but feel that it made you healthy? I mean, do you feel like you had an overall sense of, I want to say, joy and well being growing up, looking at your parents? It did. Yes, it 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 did give it did give me that. But I would say that it gave me. I'm looking for the right word. It gave me that, but then at the same time, I would have wished that you know. That you saw some of the fighting and some of the some yeah, of the maybe, real realness of marriage, right? Maybe, but not like the like not crazy not fighting, too crazy, but like but right, but like argument that. or like you know, like if they had an argument or if they had stuff, you know, we saw that. But now we're seeing it, so it's kind of like the situation where I'm like Y'all grown now. It's whatever, right? <laughs> <laughs> See what you get. It's That's okay. it. We we ain't worried about y'all, you know, having issues as adults no more. Right. right. I don't know that I would yeah. say that it's a bad thing. I feel like I want to do that with my children when they show up. I just don't no, want to. it's not a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, I think it, it, it one, you, you're, it's very considerate of <laughs> raising uh, emotionally right. rounded kids because you just don't know how an argument is going to impact them. Right. Right. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, Adelise? So for my parents, like, I knew when they were arguing, right? Like I, I picked up, I picked up on, on the things that they were arguing, kind of like where you were saying with Kendra, like you pick up on the nonverbal cues, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whether, but, but, but one thing I will say, and it, and it's an, another thing that kind of played into my relationship is um, when my dad, my dad comes from military background. So mm-hmm. he's very um, structured very um i guess you can say like drill sergeant type and Hmm. so um when they when whenever there was a disagreement it was vocal like you you knew that there was a disagreement it wasn't something that they tried to to hide me from um granted now if it was something that was um a touchy subject that was going to be a something big they tried to yeah but where am I going upstairs? I still hear an argument. Like, right. am I really being sheltered <laughs> right. from it? You know right. what I mean? Like, right. And I, I try to do that with my kids too, but I'm like, but am I being real? Like, what am I going to just say? Hey, come pick up this child so I can argue with my husband. You know what I mean? Like we try to well, shelter yeah. our kids from that, but are we really? Is yeah. the question. Um, so for me, like, I don't, I don't think it didn't really affect me per se. Um, whether they were arguing, whether they were in a good, like I, I still, at the end of the day, saw a loving relationship and that's what I wanted for my marriage. Um, there are a lot of qualities that, um, my husband does have that my dad has. Um, and so I don't, I don't, I'd like to say that those are the things that I saw in my husband first. 
um, which with, with a bunch of other things as well. Um, great qualities. Um, but I do see a lot of my husband and my dad. So right. when you think about the the health of a relationship, when you think about what you have now versus, you know, what you saw growing up, do you feel like you learned things like how to how to have a uh, a healthy argument, like how to how to fight well? Um, I think so. And I think I got it mirrored both off of both of my parents. So I saw things that I shouldn't do and I saw things that I should do. So like, for instance, like whenever my, my mom noticed that my dad was, um, at an, at a point where it was like, he was irate to the point where he was no, no longer effectively communicating. She yeah. would walk away. Mm. Now, granted right. that could be, that could be a bad thing. Right. <laughs> but it also could be good thing because mm-hmm. you know that you're not going to continue provoking your spouse Yeah, um, or you're not, this, this conversation is not going to go anywhere because the, the, the emotion is too heightened. Yeah. Um, and I see that in me, but I also have the flip side of uh-huh. where I want, I want to settle this. Right. Like I don't want to go to, co- to continue going. Well, at least in the beginning of my marriage, I've definitely grown in that. But in the beginning, I was like, no, we're going to we're going to figure out the solution now. And I always needed to have a solution because that came from my dad because he's very solution oriented. Like there's a there's a problem. Then there's there's a way to fix it. Fix it. Yeah. So, So I got that, too. But now you know, now that I've been married for four years, like I've, I've learned what's right and what's wrong <laughs> based off of yeah. me just being an adult and me being actually in a marriage to, to know, to know the uh, right and wrong responses. So yeah, some lessons only come by experience, right? Yeah, it's true. So, yeah. Yeah. I think though, yeah. I think for me, I grew, because my, my situation was such that my mother's longtime boyfriend was very abusive. And so, um, a drinker, uh, smoker not that smoking is illegal but it's just nasty <laughs> anyway cigarettes? um yeah cigarettes like oh, okay. actual, <laughs> I, you know nowadays you're like you actually smoke cigarettes is that like a thing still <laughs> so, yeah, like, you, don't, you don't smoke something else I'm just like, like really just wondering that seems odd anyway so yeah but he was a big drinker and he would have this really vile violent anger like when he got angry it was just like bad and so what I saw is but see my mother was a popping off at the mouth kind of black woman and oh I can see I, I can see that <laughs> in you though I, I can yep. see it. I, but see the thing is that I don't do that because I saw how popping off at the mouth to get you popped up in your mouth so <laughs> I don't do it and so I, I never really saw healthy resolution like the resolution was always like a physical altercation and I would sit there and watch it and I would be like in my in my mind trying to telepathically like communicate to my mother that you need to shut up time to stop talking and she just kept going she's like oh god she's gonna say one more thing and that's gonna be the thing you're gonna set it off and it's gonna be heads and furniture moving up and around here so I never learned really how to fight well. Um, And it is so emotionally draining for me to fight. I get, I get emo. It's like, I get just emotionally spent from a fight. Um, I get to crying. I get all like, um, I want to say like tense stress built up in my chest. Uh And, um, and then I just, I shut down. Because emotion, it's um, it's like I, it's like a short circuit or something, and I just can't. 
And so if I've ever, if I've ever, even growing up, if I ever had to have, have, have a fight, I will. But after I fight, I like have a massive breakdown because Ma- yeah, meltdown. It just like it took me so much and it just spit me out. And so I just I didn't learn how to have healthy, you know, healthy fights. So I um, I think I may have some tendencies that are a little bit passive aggressive where I'm just like, mm, that's a problem. And I might and I'll say it. But I'm not trying to harp on it, but right. I'm going to say it probably 15 times. <laughs> right. But then your spouse is going to want to talk about it because right. you're but bringing see, it up a million times. Right. Like, okay, right. what's really the problem? <laughs> you, yeah. You right. But then I'm not, I'm not there for, I'm not but there for conversations for, longer than five minutes. Like, I if say what I got to say, but we ain't, we ain't about to talk about it. Uh-uh, because the thing is, if <laughs> emotion gets high, I don't like, I don't I like that. For about 10 minutes, I'm like, I'm done. I'm out of here. I I but then why did you start it? <laughs> oh I don't God, know. But no. see, the thing is that in my mind, I'm not starting a fight. I'm also very, Wait, I think. How you feel. I'm, yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm solution minded. I'm thinking to myself, this is a problem. This bothers me. Um, and I'm letting you know, right? So then basically handle that. But in the same token, like, I don't want to go got, deep with it. Like, right. I don't want to, I don't want to break it all down to the, to the, you know, to the ionic level to be like, so let's dissect the situation of why you so like, I'm not, I don't have energy. I'm tired already. Like just at the question phase, I'm like, "Ah, I'm out. You're a mess. (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious. So that's been a huge learning lesson. Like I'm really proud of where my husband and I are now versus where we were in the beginning because I would just have I cried so much the first three years of my marriage oh my god so much because I couldn't handle conflict at all yeah but you see but you see that makes me wonder because like you know growing up I didn't see conflict right I'm sure my parents did have conflict but growing up I didn't see it and then I you know now that I'm an adult I mean, everything is in our faces, right? But that still made me know how to handle conflict. Like, I, like I'm like i the kind of person that will, will stay there till the end. <laughs> so I don't, I don't necessarily think that, and, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't necessarily think that um, having a father figure has anything to do with, you know, learning how, I guess maybe if that's what you, like, just seeing it and then trying, like, figuring out how to handle it. But I don't think that in my own situation where I had my two parents present and I didn't see that until a very uh, late age. Yeah. um, It didn't change my mindset on how to handle conflict. But you know what I'm saying? I I get that because it's like it wasn't present. But if it wasn't right. present, like, what does that leave you with as far as how to handle conflict? So you you don't see the conflict in your home, but you go to school and you encounter conflict. Or you don't see the conflict in your home, and then you're dating someone and you guys have conflict. So how does that work? So I would say, like, just because I didn't see, I guess, in terms of my marriage relationship, just because I didn't see that, I was able to handle it in my marriage, but outside, when I had those conflicts, I struggled to handle conflicts. I couldn't take 
disappointment. I couldn't take, I, I, if I had an issue with somebody, I just couldn't stand, you know, dealing with, especially if the person is just a stranger. Now he's my family member. That's different. But if it's like a stranger that, I mean, which, I mean, school, like a school, a classmate at school, I'm just not gonna, I'm just the kind of person that I don't want to entertain it. It's like, I'm just not even going to entertain it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But then when you bring it back home to the home, I rather would entertain it there than entertain it outside. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just don't want to deal with it out, like with other people that are not family. So if you're working on a project and right. you, you're in a group project and right. there's a conflict, how do you handle that? And like, if you're not learning, if you're, if you're not learning how to handle it, you're really figuring it out on your own, right? Pretty much. I mean, if I was working on a group project and there's a conflict, I mean, I just approach the person whoever I have the conflict with and we try to figure it out. That's it. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I try not to, I guess if when, I get what you're saying in terms of when it comes to like a marriage relationship, how that could weigh you out. In my own situation, like when you have fights, in my own situation, it's outside that that happens to me. When it happens in my marriage, it doesn't wear me out. I'm willing to like fight till the end. You know what I'm saying? But well, like, I mean, I can outside, see that. Right? But then it seems like you missed out on an opportunity to learn how to effectively resolve conflicts because you, you did not really. see them. Right. Because if you just look saying, I'm not going to deal with it, like, forget it. I'm not going to deal with it. And I'm out then you're not dealing with the conflict. You're avoiding conflict. Anyway, I see that. Yeah. Yeah. Part of learning about healthy relationship is that unconditional love. And I think what's really dope about what you two have had opportunity to experience is that, that undying, unconditional, ongoing sort of love, right? Because a lot of mm-hmm. people experience quitting. Right. Because another way that it can impact in the marriage is not only dispute resolution, but sometimes the way you fight can end up in being outside (laughs) of a marriage. Right. right? Right. You end up uh, starting out on one end, but then ending up single again because you didn't get the proper lessons on how to deal, which is why I think what we do is so important, right? Because we're hoping to give people these tools and resources so that they can have long lasting, sustainable marriage relationships. So you said something that I thought was really on point with having a healthy relationship. You talked a little bit about loyalty. That's something that I think is so interesting in the sense of learning uh, how to play, but how to pray and to stay right in your marriage right. relationship. Cause there are some of us that have experienced varying situations wherein, you know, their father may have been there, but right. he was a serial cheater. Right? right. So he was with mom, but he wasn't, you know, he was with, you know, Miss Sally Sue down the street. He was with Miss Lisa up the road. He was with old chick uh, at the job. And so what do you feel that you've learned? You said in your marriage that you're willing to rock it out, right? You're going to fight and fight it out. What do you feel that you've learned about loyalty from your father? Um, I definitely learned a lot, you know, um, 
my dad was very loyal and he's still very loyal because they are still married. <laughs> uh-huh. He's met, um, he's, he was, he is loyal to my mom. Um, and for me, um, definitely that did play a part in, in it for me being loyal to my husband, but also I think to add on that, because I don't think that just stands on its, on it, on its own for me though. Um, I think, you know, being the fact that I waited till marriage to have sex with my husband. That's a big one. That has made me with him. I'm not going anywhere else. That, that's it. That that's I that's that's it. That's just it. Now, you know, and 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 that didn't come from my parents. I mean, my parents told us to keep ourselves, but for me, it was more like having sex with the guy that I want to be with is the yeah. guy that I'm going to be with. Yeah. So that's it. That's it. If I, if I'm going to, if, if, if I'm going to be with that guy, then that's it. That's my stop. That's my one stop shop. I'm not going any other place. So I think the loyalty came from the fact that I share that secret with him yeah. and no other person. I think that's so good. I just feel like you, because that, gosh, so many women who don't have their fathers struggle with sexual intimacy and sexual promiscuity because they're looking for love essentially in all the wrong places, right? And right. you don't learn how how um how sacred it is that act of having a sexual intercourse with someone i mean the way society goes now i mean it's whoever can get it can get it right if he find he can get it i mean that's that's that's, that's what they talk about if he find he can get it um but but i feel that like that's such a critical lesson to learn and 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 for me i didn't even i mean i'm sure my mother tried to teach me but i don't feel like that was an applicable like a, a a lesson learned uh, in a workshop type setting, I want to say, right in the home front, wherein I got to see that this is a sacred thing. Like you don't just go popping it off to whoever want a piece, like just because you think he cute or you think he going to stay with you or you think that, you know, he might he might hit it right. And I mean, like, I mean, they they can hit try. Hey, you have a whole lot of disappointed <laughs> sex out here. Yeah. <laughs> a whole lot of, <laughs> yeah, whole right? lot of he was whole lot of he was fine but it didn't go down like you thought it was going to go down <laughs> so i mean i mean real truth and real talk i felt like the women who were who were who had their dads around just you know they wasn't so quick to pop it off like that like you know they might they might it get depends, to second though. base but you know depends. Depends no that depends because Kendra some, because okay, some dads won't have that conversation so like you can see like i i saw that my dad was loyal and to my mom and all that stuff, but my dad never had that conversation about sex and the or Me the birds. Never, never. And I feel like he almost thought it was like this, like sacred, like we don't talk about that. Type thing. <laughs> right, like, right, you learn okay. when you <laughs> learn, right? <laughs> but like okay. rewind now, like my husband, we have had that conversation with our daughter. And she actually came to us about the conversation. So now, she like, yeah, this? oh yeah. Like, I, I mean, check one now. This happened probably when she was nine, eight or oh, nine, God, and she help. wanted to know how babies were made. And so we had the conversation. We had an educational conversation. That we had a real conversation with her. And her, 
she's 12 now. And her dad had this conversation with her. But hearing it from her dad and her dad emphasizing, wait till you're married and you you have to protect yourself. And this time the third, she knows now, right? But my right. dad never had that conversation with me. So I didn't know. Like, it, I'm going to just figure this thing out by myself. <laughs> oh, you, know? you don't think so, anything, what, there was um, nothing imputed? So, yeah. But going back to loyalty, though. Wait, did you I hear me? Think, um, so my dad was extremely loyal, too. I said, did you, I said, was there anything imputed? Imputed. What you mean? <laughs> like, like did, did you, I mean, like, did you learn? <laughs> stop it. Did you learn anything about like, just from what you saw, even though he didn't say it to you? Was it something that you learned by just being in that space with your parents? No. Oh, wow. No. Okay. I didn't. Just I like, didn't. No. Honestly, I, I really didn't. Um, Again, because we didn't, we didn't really talk. So we didn't talk. I saw the example that they showed me and I knew the morals that they were instilling in me. And I was also raised in a, I went to a Catholic school all my life. So religion was a big thing. Right. And so I heard, you know, from, from a spirituality standpoint that you should wait for marriage. So I was getting the educational piece, but I wasn't getting necessarily like the realness. Like I wasn't having, right. I wasn't having a one-on-one conversation with my parents about when I should wait or the loyalty. Like I didn't, we just, those conversations just weren't, we just didn't have them. So I had it I from agree. an educational standpoint. I agree. Okay. I agree with you, Adelise. It was the same thing. My parents didn't have sex education conversations with me. Um, but, but you did say me, they told you to keep yourself. I mean, when I meet, they didn't have like an official, com- they were just like, well, don't, don't do this. That's about it. Like they didn't explain. I didn't. I didn't get the explanation that I needed as to why I shouldn't do that. Yeah. So why did you? So what? But so then, what was it that made you keep it? For me, I thought you know, I was like, first off, I was like, I don't want to connect with a guy sexually, period. Until I am able to have some form of commitment with this guy. Okay. I wanted him walking off with pieces of you. Yes, I didn't want him walking out with pieces of me. So for me, it was more like, I need to connect with you emotionally. I need to connect with you intellectually before we even talk of sexual, period. Mm. And so before, and you know, even reading the Bible too, right? You know, like you see this thing. But the thing is, I never got, I never, I never really understood why. But then when I got to like age 20 and I still was a virgin, I'm like, I mean, why lose it now? I mean, 20 years of my life, I can wait 10 more, maybe five more if I have to. And so, you know, now that is something that I have with my, for me, that's like a secret. It's very sacred. Like, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, you can't get no more into, I think anyway. No, I can't. You can't get no more intimate. But like, I want to, I mean, at least what do you, what are your thoughts? I mean, as far as like, um, the differences in like how you engage physically. Um, so I don't think it really had an impact, at least from, I don't think it had an impact on the way I engaged physically. Um, do I wish my parents would have had a raw conversation with me? Yeah, I do. Mm. Um, because I think had they had that raw conversation, then I think I would have waited till marriage for sure. I did not wait till till marriage and I wish I did. Cause like you said, it's it, you can't get more sacred than that. Right. But, um, it didn't, 
I think not having the conversation is what really um, affected me per se. Um, But what about like, and, and I'm, I'm kind of curious to know like how you guys feel about it. What about the idea of, of unconditional love and between having a father and not having a father in your life? Um, Do you think that kind of rolls over into your marriage or not even your marriage, just relationships in general, like with people? Yeah, I don't know. I think from what I learned from my father was that it is conditional. (laughs) It is conditional. I mean, from what um, my, you know, I learned that he was hoping that I was a boy. And then when I wasn't a boy, then his interest went away. So that was heartbreaking, you know, um, to learn that like, oh, so if I were a boy, then maybe I could have gotten his love, right? Mm-hmm. Um, thank God for restoration and identity and that I didn't, you know, start feeling like, oh, maybe I should be a boy so a my boy, dad right. will love me. Right. Um, so so, so there, I wasn't broken to that point, but I would say that I think that, there, that the, it taught me that yeah, it, relationships are conditional, and if these conditions aren't met, then it could be broken. Now that is contradictory, right, with the institution of marriage, because right. marriage is meant to be until death do you part. Unconditional. So, uh, it's supposed right. to be unconditional, like no matter what. So if you lose your arms in a boating accident, I'm or love you. you gotta, <laughs> you know, if if you if you get caught in a fire and your and now your skin all melted. You know, I mean, hey, I think about the most extreme situations wherein you are called to the carpet on some unconditional love. Like I know people who have had experiences where their spouse lost a limb, like you lost your legs. You can't even stand up and hold me no more. So now you in a wheelchair and I got to love you just the same. Now, I mean, personally, I'm be trying to look into all kind of bionics and and, <laughs> and stuff like this. So you could stand up and walk because I just I don't know how my mind could take it. But I do think <laughs> I so do messy. think that that's what I learned that I learned that, you know, it, it I felt like it, there had to be conditions that were met. So did you have that? So did you, was that a struggle in your marriage early on in the years when you first got married? Were you thinking like, you know, if this, this, this isn't met, or if you don't do this, or if you don't even keep your word, like it can even go down to that. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. you don't keep your word for like with me and for me, how that affects your marriage. Right. Because you saw that in, in the, in the situation and the dynamics that you had with your dad. I think that I was fortunate in that I had some great mentors around us in our early days of marriage. Um, I think we were really fortunate and blessed in that we had uh, couples that have been married for years upon years upon years to pour into our, to, to pour into the foundation of our marriage, right? Because to be honest, those first seven years of your marriage are your foundation. They're your formation years. And so you're really getting your uh, setting down your roots in the marriage at that time. And so it never crossed my mind that I had an option to leave. It okay. told me that somebody, but I think the where the brokenness comes in is that it told me that someone else's love of me is conditional, right? Okay. So I think it was that part that makes it hard because then the love is never really 
uh, never really equal. So what mm-hmm. I looked for, I looked for was somebody who loved me more than I love him. He has okay. to love me more than I love him because I'm already loyal. I'm already, I'm already in it. And so if he loves me more, that gives me a sense of security. Security. Yep. That he's not going to leave me. Right. But, right. But, you know, I've always, I've often struggled with the issue of somebody loving you more than you love him. Because how can somebody else love you more than you love yourself? Like if you know who you are and you're grounded in who you are. No, not not more than that. Not more than not him love me more than I love me. Him love me more than I love him. Him. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. It's it's, no, not love me. Yes, two different things. Love outward, not love. Right. Okay. Okay. No, and I get that. I get that, LaKendra, because I mean, the and I hear it not just with your um, with your family dynamics, but I've heard it, you know, with with friends of mine as well, that they're because they were raised without a father. They kind of, you know, there's been times in their life where they've been let down numerous of times by their dad. Mm -hmm. Right. And so not only with loyalty, but it it kind of plays a a role in in trusting another man. Right. Like, oh, you're going to leave me. You're going to leave me like my daddy left me. Or if I don't do this, you know, like you said, your love is conditional. Right. So if I don't do this, then you're not going to you're not going to love me or you're not going to see me for who I am. Right. And so it kind of it goes into I feel like it goes into a lot of different areas, not just love and loyalty and values, but it like you said in the very beginning, it molds you into who you are, into some of the 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 good and the bad um of how you view things and how you view marriage and stuff. So um I think that's uh um it's something that's common and it's sad that it's common. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of people that that struggle, a lot of women that struggle with um, with feeling unconditional love and that it's that it's not conditional. For yeah. sure. Yeah. No. So, I mean, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the relationship piece and let's talk about how, you know, I mean, Noma talked a little bit about how she was looking for these certain qualities and characteristics. You talked about how your husband has certain qualities that are similar to your father. But when you're out there and you're in the dating game. Right. And you are making the selection before you've made the selection. Right. And you're picking right. off the different things. I found that being uh, being a woman who's not had um, that that masculine love throughout my life consistently to say you're worthy, you deserve it, um, mm. that I found myself kissing a whole lot of toads. Right. Um, dating guys who weren't like who really. I should have never dated, right? Mm-hmm. Dating guys yes. who didn't deserve my time or attention. Um, I found myself in situations having sex with people that I really, it just wasn't even worth my time. Right. I should just you you almost I, lower your standards. You do right, because, right, you're, right. because you're thirsty for that attention. You're thirsty yep. for mm-hmm. that love, right? And, yep. it's not, um, and it's not something your mother can give you. Like I can no. say, my mom told me I was beautiful. She told me that I was worthy. She, you know, my mom doted on us. She loved on us, but she wasn't a man. So the way that a man loves on a woman is just a whole different it's ball different. of wax. It's different. It's you different. get what I'm For saying? Sure. And so yeah. when you yeah. have, I want to know, like, do you feel like having the love of your father helped you in your dating prospects? And Hell your prospects, yes. 
Oh. <laughs> hell yes. If that's okay. a hell yes, and I'll tell you why. Because, you know, my dad, even, you know, when we were growing up, going to school back in Nigeria, my dad would peck us. Like, he would peck his girls. Like, like give us peck, tell us we're beautiful. Give you a kiss like, on the cheek. Yes. Like, uh-huh. he would, and he would reinforce the, reinforce the fact that we're all beautiful and all hand handsome boys beautiful girls uh-huh. and so for me i didn't need to hear that from another guy mm. so if a guy like i didn't need a guy to tell me um in the first like in the first weeks of dating i didn't need him to tell me i love you and i was never gonna say that first anyways but um i didn't need a guy to give me that reassurance of the fact that i'm beautiful i didn't need that from somebody yeah. else because i got it I overgot it from home. Sure. So I can understand what you're saying, Kendra, and I can relate to that because when you have that father figure telling you, it's very different from when, when your mom tells you. I mean, when your mom tells you, like, well, we're both females, you know, but right. <laughs> when your dad tells you, it's like, dang, that's the, the, yes. that's a man that's, telling me that I'm Yeah, that's the man. Yeah. That's, He's saying you it's know, like a seal, the seal of approval. Yeah, because you know, how people say, you know how people say that your, your dad is like your first love? Yeah. yeah. So then when you step out and then you get married, it's like, well, and a lot of men that you marry, get married to struggle with that because they're like, I mean, now we're married, but you're like, what? But that was like, you know, that's yeah. my dad. You know, <laughs> that was my number one, right? Right. My, my, you know, yeah. So I yeah. understand. I definitely. You know what's funny? I, I completely agree with you too, Norma. Because like, um, so my husband, you know, we have a 12 year old daughter, and we're a blended family. So from his um a previous relationship, and it's so funny because he tells her all the time, like you are beautiful or he'll like look at her and he'll just be staring. And she's like, what are you staring at? Cause you know, she's a preteen. So she has a little attitude. What are you staring at? And he's just like, damn, I make beautiful kids. Like you're a beautiful girl. Like you're a beautiful girl. And he just always boasting her up, gassing her up, gassing her up. And she gets annoyed by it. She's like, gosh, dad, like I already know, like I'm beautiful. You've already, you've already told me. And he's like, and I'm not going to stop telling you because one of these days a sucker going to come and try to tell you you're beautiful and you're going to fall for it. But right. you know that you're beautiful because your daddy told you you're beautiful. So right. I'm going to keep telling you how beautiful you are. So I totally, I, it makes me, made me tickle that you said that normal because I see my husband in that he does that all the time. And my poor little daughter just gets so annoyed with him. <laughs> She like, bro, if you tell me I'm pretty one more time, I know I'm cute. Thank you. Well, right. But, but, but isn't that a good attitude it to is. have when right, you go right. into the dating game? Because 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 that's I feel like that's 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 like a uh, playboy rule number 101 or something like this. Like, girl, you so fine. Oh, oh but I'm fine. OK. <laughs> I mean, but and so the girls like me who were young and impressionable and didn't have a father telling them how gorgeous they were every day. You know, you were like, oh, my God, he thinks I'm beautiful. And my mom's like, I always tell you that. And I'm just like, I know, but it just it it's sounds different, different on a man's lips. It just does. It does. I think that's dope that that he does that. I mean, and that your daughter has that opportunity so that when she starts to date, she's not going to be thirsty for those affections. Like, because yeah, she's been getting she it. Her. She, yeah. she, she, she 100% hydrated. She like, you know uh-huh. what? That ain't <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> And that was one thing, even as a college student, I remember being an undergrad, there was this girl who lived next door to me. She had everything, like everything. Like I was the struggling, paying for myself college student. 
living in the off-campus apartments. She lived next door to me. This girl had a fully furnished situation. I right. was sitting here like with barely any furniture, waiting for my refund check so that I can buy furniture for my place. Right. And eventually I had furniture, but her junk was lit. And she was like, oh, my dad, he just takes care of me. And she dated like all like the dudes. Everybody was like, Dang. she was 100% unimpressed, like 100%. She was just like, ah, he all right. He could whatever, you know. See, and I, was just I like, feel like that's me. I feel oh, like that's me. I, if I and was that's me too. God, that I'd be fawning. I'd be slobbing. I'd be like, oh my God. What you any time of the night he called me, I'm up. You dead to the world. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm up. She's like, girl, please. <laughs> right, I, I got stuff to do in yeah. the morning. <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel like that was me. Because and I'm and it's so funny you say that because I'm like, I'm when I tell you I'm a daddy's girl, it it rolls into my marriage sometimes because I'm like Okay, like you got a problem with that? Okay, I just go to my dad. Or oh, you don't want to, you don't want to get that. Just go to my dad. But and it and it be, it can become a problem. That, no, 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 See, I don't, that I don't is do that. a problem. That becomes a problem. But at least I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need to daddy. issue a cease Listen. and desist on these hotties. God no, we're <laughs> doing guerrilla warfare in your marriage. I'm gonna need you to stop. That <laughs> because, but because kind of like your college roommate. Like I'm like yeah. okay, like my like nothing no amount of money no amount of love no amount of support is like for me it doesn't phase me now yeah. which which is why i say like i saw a lot of my husband of my dad in my husband because i have that like i have the security i have the love and i have all the good things that my dad showered me with yeah. showered me with so it played into him, right? And and it's very rare that I act like a spoiled brat like that. But I'm just kind of being being extra in that sense. But when I was in college, for sure, like when I wasn't married and didn't have my husband, I was like, I don't need you. Like I I could right. get what I what I need or what I want from my dad. So right. I was completely unimpressed by everybody and everything. Well, I. <laughs> I could tell you walking out that door. I could, I could literally. It's funny because when I was dating my husband, then boyfriend, I told him and I said, when you walk out that door, ten thousand men will come running at my feet. That's exactly. And he goes, where on earth did you get your self confident from? I'm like, well, yeah. Okay, so so Noma, you're gonna have. You told the man, ten thousand men will come chasing after you. <laughs> <laughs> if, if if he walks out the door, I mean that is that that to me is some is some serious confidence that you must have gotten, you know, uh, from your family. And I think that's I think that's awesome. I feel like that was something for me that I just I built up gradually. That it wasn't, you know, I don't I don't know that I had that same level of self worth. And and I think in the beginning, I I don't know that I would have been like, you know what, you can walk out that door. I might have been like. <laughs> Why would you want to leave me? What is right. going on? Right, right, right. Like, right. This, that's not, you know what I'm saying? And, and now I think the woman I've become up to this point, just through my own experience, I'm like, girl, you don't need to take that. Girl, no, forget all of that. But I think I just, I felt different once I got married. You get what I'm saying? Like, I felt like that, oh, put 10,000 men I want me attitude was, you know, pre the ring. But it was like post the ring. I felt like we locked in it. Right, so, right. I don't know. I don't know that I would have had that same 
you know, leave attitude, you know. Um, but I guess just to shift a little bit, do you feel like that same sort of idea is present in non-romantic relationships and it's really just become something that's really very indicative into your personality? I think so. I think so. And I say that because um, if you if you're if you're in a non-romantic relationship, you're, you're, you're not really committed per se. Right. So right. it's for you. It's more like. Like if if you have that mentality of like um like what Noah was saying, like ten thousand men, I feel like you regardless of whether you're in a non romantic or a romantic relationship, that's just like you said, it just kind of becomes like who you who you are. That confidence in you is yeah. like, okay, like you're gonna lose something good. Like I there's no love loss here. You're yeah. the one that's losing out, right? So it's I feel like that's it goes both ways for a non-romantic and a romantic relationship. Every relationship, really. Yeah, um, I, I agree with Adelise because to be honest with you, I think like when you get the sense of confidence where you say, I can walk away from anything mm-hmm. and I know that I'm not going to be losing anything because uh-huh. I know what my potential is and I know what I have. When you get that sense, you would not be afraid to walk into or do whatever it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, like Adelie said, <clears throat> non-romantic or romantic, if you begin to have that kind of attitude, nobody would have the power to weigh you down or make you feel a certain kind of way because you have it in you that, you know, if anything happens, I got me. Hmm. You know what so I'm saying? That, it's interesting that you say that, Noma, like I that I got me, right? So I think it 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 could be opposite for someone that wasn't raised with a father that didn't right. get those things instilled. Right. Like, I got me. But when you're a little girl, you 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 expect that your parents got you because you, right. right. you don't know right. anybody. Your daddy's right. supposed to have you, your mama's supposed yeah. to have you. And so if one or the other is absent, then there's still that void there. Oh, That's yeah. true. So you don't develop that I got me attitude until like Kendra was saying until until older until she lived life and got, had her experience and and right. kind of had her own pick me ups to where mm-hmm. now she's like, OK, I got me. Right. But going throughout life when you don't have your father figure or your mother figure or vice versa, like it's it becomes harder. It's it's not something that you, it's just easier to say I got me or my daddy got me like no no right. one really has you because that's what you're that's what you're used to if you were brought up in that kind of family dynamic yeah so. i mean i think <clears throat> i think you had some really good points there at least um because personally i i struggled even with girlfriendships like right. i mean really struggled and it's so interesting like i think i struggled more in girlfriendships because i seemed at one point to care more about my girlfriends than I did about romantic endeavors, right? Like, or once I got married, that was said, you know, now I'm good. And now I'm still chasing after sister friendships, you know? And that, that to me has been a really hard struggle with just connecting with other women. And I think part of that is having that security of self and knowing who you are. But then also, um, I didn't, I don't think I ever learned how to soften. You get what I'm saying? Like how to be, um, how to be sweet. Like, I feel like I am 
sweet on the inside, I don't know that it always translates to the outside. <laughs> right, right, like right. In right. my heart, I feel like you have the right good. intention, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, like my intentions are good, are but good, the way right. that I execute it might just cut on the way, just right a little bit. So, right. and that that becomes a problem, right? Because I mean, when you're when you're raised by a single woman, you have you're a tough t- outer skin. You have to because you have to have you, you know what I'm saying? And so, so learning how to be vulnerable, that stuff is crazy. I'm like, what's that? What's that even look like? Like, how's that feel? Right. And Um, I feel like the same would apply to men. Like if a man was raised without his daddy or if a man was raised without his mom, like the same is true. Um, It might not be to the, to the degree, but I think um, a lot of it still goes hand in hand um, just with that void of, of a, of a second parent. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause I despise the damsel, like despise yeah. like, from the depths of my soul. Like when I see women like, oh, can you help me? I just need some. And I'm just like, are you kidding me right now? Are you, yeah. are you serious right now? Like that? I, I don't understand that. But then there's, <laughs> I feel like when you are raised in a two parent household, there are two lessons you learn, right? Because the fatherhood effect is not just your father. It's watching your mother interact with your with father. With your father. Exactly. Right. And so then exactly. you see your mom effectively do this sort of code switching, you know, when she's talking to her man versus when she's dealing with kids or when she's dealing with girlfriends or when she's dealing right. with whomever else. But for me, I saw I saw a servitude that felt wrong. You know what I mean? Right. I'm like, if dude right. is dogging you out, bruh, you can eat dirt rocks, okay? That's what right. you have for dinner. I'm not cooking nothing. You know, right. I, I just, I think it, I didn't feel it was justified, but I imagine that in a loving relationship where, you know, you have a husband who's taking care of business, who's loving his wife and his kids, that, you know, to see your mother soften towards him or to, treat him with that respect Mm -hmm. translates in so many ways right it translates to you know understanding how women interact with men right um and so that I feel was a lesson that I missed because what I saw I didn't like but I didn't have a replacement model (laughs) to kind of to go on and say I don't like that but what do I do so the Cosby's was my model and the Cosby's wasn't real and so that kind of broke my heart because, you know, I just knew I was going to be Claire Huxtable and I was going to be an attorney <laughs> and I was going to marry a doctor and we were going to have five kids and live in a brownstone in New York. You know, that was that was what I thought was going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel like it does translate in all all facets of life, even your romantic and non-romantic relationships. And because I think, too, um vulnerability is something that's so necessary for trust building. Right. Right. And so I think I struggle with people always thinking I was fake, but I wasn't being fake. I just didn't know how to be. Right. Right. You didn't yeah, you didn't know how to be vulnerable. And and not only did you not know, but you didn't trust to be no. vulnerable. Right. Right. Well no. No, because I had too many mean girls. We can talk about mean girls later. <laughs> but I did, I had mean girls who took advantage of my kindness. And so it just made me be like, mm, I don't know about you. Mm. Right. 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 I totally get it. But this um, I think I think a lot of the things that we were that we were talking about, um, how we choose our spouse and the things we look for in our spouse and yeah. 
being thirsty or, or not and trust. I mean, the fatherhood effect just plays plays a big, huge role in life, in our marriage, in the way we parent. I mean, everything, really. Right. Yeah. Everything. So. Yeah. Yeah. The way you value family, too. Right. Just the way you yep. even look at how do I do family? Well, you know, uh, hopefully somebody showed you <laughs> and then you can right. know how to do it. Right. Right. Wow. Well, I feel like, you know, we covered this. T- I mean, I feel like we really covered this topic. Um, You know, I think for our listeners, I think it's important to evaluate where you are in your marriage relationship and try to consider where you get your habits from. If you are like me and you're a fatherless daughter, definitely try to take some time to evaluate how that has impact, how that has impacted you and how it's affected your marriage relationship and even your relationships at large. Um, and I would recommend even getting some therapy if you feel that, you know what, I still have some unresolved issues. I still have some tender and hurt places. That's what I would really recommend on uh, trying to get yourself together. I feel like for me, I'm still a broken little girl inside in a couple of different ways, but I am actively working toward being healed. I don't know that I'll get there, but I'll be forever working toward it. So I would encourage you all to do the same. Um, so I mean, enough on that. I feel less sad. I mean, it, it's been right. a lot going on. <laughs> right. It's been, it's been a lot going on. It's been a lot going on. Uh, Noma, let's talk about what's been going on in the press the world is crazy honey oh my god i mean insane i mean we're we're talking about like the fatherhood effect but then you but then you wonder you're like how how are we losing some of our fathers these days right wow yeah they go out and they're on the streets i mean everybody says oh let's be specific how are we losing a lot of our black fathers black oh yes black fathers today Yes. yes how are we losing them Today, most of it is, for the most part, it's through police brutality. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're driving, and you know, think about it. A black man is worried about how do I get home to my family if I have a cop at my back? Yeah. You know, how do I? I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about the offense that I commit, but I'm worried about how do I make it safe back home to be there for my daughter, to be there for my wife. So let's be there for my mother. Yeah. So, I mean, specifically, I guess if we're talking about what's in the press, I mean, there's a lot going on around uh, the recent uh, murder of George Floyd. Right. Right. And and so in his case, how he was murdered and now leaving behind his daughter. Mm -hmm. Oh, Mm -hmm. my God. Now his daughter is. Did y'all see the video? Did y'all see the video of her? She's on her own. I think it was her uncle. She thinks she's on her uncle's shoulders and she she, um, she has her hand up like in a right. V and he's like spinning her around and she's like, daddy changed the world. Like right. I completely was like, I, I cried. I cried. <laughs> I, I lost it. You have to look at it. I think it's, it's, it's kind of it everywhere. Again. It's it's on the shade exactly. room. It's on TMZ. It's mm-hmm. pretty much everywhere. It's on Sean King's page, but it's just this such a sentimental um, video and a moment of of here we are talking about fathers. George Floyd was a father. He was point blank period, mm-hmm. and and his daughter is now left fatherless. fatherless right, at such a young age. I think she might age. be like six. So she looks around six or seven. Um, but here she is also at the end. At, 
she is fatherless, but she also sees the the impact that her father has now had to not just her, but also to the world. So I think yeah. that's huge because, I mean, in the video, you just see like you can see sadness behind her eyes, but she also has this big, huge smile. And she's like, my dad changed the world, you know. And so because, I mean, it, granted, like there's there's so much going on right now because yeah. of of this this was like the the straw that broke the camel's back right like right. it's been going it for so long right and this one instance of of the police murdering george floyd was just like that's I it mean, like, the way the it. way he did it too like i mean the way he did it as well and not only that like the girl i don't even know how it is for the mother to have broken the news to her daughter you know right. what i'm saying like right. how would she how would you tell her that your 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 father is dead because of the police like I don't I don't know I don't even think she has been able to tell her daughter that yet well I'm sure she knows it at this point I mean they had a I'm funeral sure. his right. funeral was yesterday um yes. Yes. four hours long I mean it's been amazing to see how uh the event of having lost him I mean it, he was the straw that broke the camel's back he was yep. the last black man killed by law enforcement that caused yeah. a movement right a to, movement. to skick across off, the to kick off yep well across the world the world <laughs> yep. I mean, that that to me I mean when you see um when you see people in the Netherlands and you see people Germany. in Germany <laughs> Paris I London, mean, yes. everywhere, everywhere. I, I've seen we got I mean, streets a, that are called Black Lives Matter now. That's girl, huge. That is that is that is monumental. It is. That's, we it got really we is. got statues coming down. We got Confederate flags, flags coming, down. coming down. We got military changing. Like we have literally everything is changing. Like th- there was a moment in in these last couple months since March that all the emails that I was getting was due to COVID. Right. Like right. we're trying to take all these precautions right. for COVID. 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 When I tell you when George Floyd was murdered. It completely switched. Yes. Now I'm getting all Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. I'm yep. getting all, like we have. Yes, we're we we're solidarity emails like from everywhere, from every yeah. company. Companies that I'm like, what? I don't even shop. I, I, <laughs> I, I just get Exactly, but it's right. it's a movement, and it's 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 crazy. You know, the riots. I'm not. I'm really not. I I don't c- kind of know how I feel with the riots because I know a lot of them are actually. Um, companies that are bringing in white people to riot to make Girl. it look like it's black folk, right? right. Loot, which more or less, right? The, and the so, is really so it looks like it's the black population that is looting, but it's it it really it's isn't. It's no. really it's really not. No. And so, um, and granted, there are going to be few that are looting because they're mad. They're mad, yeah. and. And, and rightfully so. And it's COVID and, and people have lost, their, lost their jobs. And rightfully so. You know, the people, the black community is mad. But have y'all also seen that the three, is it the third? Yeah, the three guys with the Ahmad Arbery um, finally got arrested, charged. And like I was kind of looking at clips with their, with their, um, with their trial. Mm-hmm. And I forgot the dude's name, but the dude that actually was recording, um, he, oh, he got charged. Yeah, he got charged too. He because got charged. You sat too. there and you yeah. watched these two men kill was, this. He, 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 I mean, like, what? What are you? How are you there? I mean, right. you're there the whole right. time. But right. then he said some stuff like, "Oh, but but then I realized he was a criminal." 
But how then how did how did you realize like how? That? And that's and that's what's so crazy. They call them. They call the police in pursuit of the man. That's right. Talking about there have been a string of break-ins. Like it's not been anything broken in. I mean, right. because clearly there are no windows or walls. This is a house under construction. Right. So it's an open construction site. You can walk through. And it was so, so, so crazy. Is you think about yourself as a human being, like they're forever developing in my in my neighborhood. Right. And so because they're in different phases of house development and all this kind of thing. And I have been guilty on several occasions just on a stroll, walking my dog or whatever, and I see a house being built. I might creep up in that piece because I'm being, right. oh, I'm just being nosy. Like, I'm right. just being a nosy neighbor. I right. ain't stealing nothing because one, ain't nothing up in just here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't want the, uh, the wood planks or the sheetrock or the bricks, right. like, I'm not stealing anything. And, and, and right. for it to all boil down to a drink of water. People were going in there to get a take a stop and have a sip of water because you hot, you've been running. You know the water running up in this house that ain't got no uh, walls. So let me go up in here, get a quick sip and keep it moving only to get killed. And this is what's right. so crazy is that they this I think the thing that pisses me off the most is that the victim is always criminalized in one way or another. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, sure. it doesn't even matter. Definitely. It's almost like you have to try to find some justification. Yes. For the quote unquote good white folks who yep. chased after this assumed criminal and who hunted him, hunted him down. <laughs> right. Like he had to have done something. It's, it's right. almost like the ongoing ringing and resounding um, um, feeling behind people doing this sort of thing. Like, yep. uh, no, it's folks who ain't minding their own business. I feel like do what that's what I want to know. If you are listening and you are of our lighter, brighter persuasions, if you are of the Caucasian persuasion, you're a white person, however you want to classify yourself, do y'all feel that it is your business to always get involved in something that you see? Because I feel that we are taught as brown people that you need, your your <laughs> you need to mind your business. <laughs> mind your business. You. you hear the neighbors arguing. If you nobody comes to you, you don't, don't go for nobody. There it is. Don't quick go right. listen. When you go digging for bones, you're going to find them. Right. Pretty much. But why would you go digging? Like, for what? Right. I mean, right. I, I, I've heard That's my neighbors arguing. Issue, now, I am the nosy neighbor. Like, I'm that one peeking through the blinds. <laughs> <laughs> When I see you see ooh. me, I hurry up and close it. Like, ooh, ooh, they almost caught me. <laughs> ooh, child, they almost saw me. So <laughs> that is definitely, I am the nosy neighbor. <laughs> but I'm not calling no police. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to go over there and knock on the door and be like, hi, hi, everyone. Is everyone okay in here? Like, right. that ain't my business. <laughs> right. I'm just listening to y'all situation like it's a telenovela. And I'm just going to get my popcorn because I'm nosy, but I ain't trying to get involved. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> so, but I feel like white folks don't do that. Like, mind your No, they always, they always, they always is a need to call somebody. They they have to call somebody. To call I don't, or I don't to, understand. Or to walk up on you or come and up and mind, and mind your business instead of minding their business. I, I don't you understand. Like, I, I was, this actually happened to me. My husband and I, we were in, uh, we were in, um, Austin, Austin, Texas, Austin, Texas. And because he wanted to go to the Riverwalk. That's in Austin, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. San Antonio. Uh, no, San Antonio. San Antonio. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we were in San Antonio, Texas. 
and um, he wanted to go to the Riverwalk. So we were, you know, we we're down by the Riverwalk, but there's also like little places that you can go to do Segway. I think we yes. were in Austin. Yeah. Well, anyway, so we're in the parks and we're doing Segway and uh, different things like this. And we're on the little scooters and we're just zipping up and down all around downtown. We get to this park area and uh, we were we were riding through the park and we stopped because there was a there was a little like um, leadway out on off of like a little pier. Right. So we can go out and look on the water and we stopped. We looked in the water. We just sitting there being all couple-ish and whatnot, talking, doing our minding our black couple business. And then, you know, young white man walk up. No, not young. He's an older white man walks up and he goes, um, did you guys see that sign there? Are we sitting here minding our business? We are well off the path because I told you we out here on a little pier. He walks, he comes off the path to walk up to us to say, did you guys see that sign there? And then we look. Now we hadn't come. That sign was in the opposite direction from the direction we had come. So we hadn't gone that far to see this sign. And the sign does say like no segways in the park or something like right. this. Right. <clears throat> so I was like, oh, um, no, we didn't see it. But thank you. Right. So to me, conversation over. Going about your business. Right. Right. No, not to this white man. He keeps coming. He's like, well, are you planning on on writing those anymore? Oh, my God. And I was like, dude, um, we've acknowledged you. Thank you so much. Right. Carry Can on. Can you go on about your business? Like, thank right. you. He was like, no, see, this is the problem. This sign oh says my this. You people are here. Now, l- let me tell you, girl, we weren't on it. The man never saw us riding them. Never saw oh. us riding them. The, the, they were sitting next to us, like a few steps away from us. And we were out on the pier. This man came all the way over here to harass us. Then he went and called Park Patrol. Park oh, Patrol. What? Girl. He called. Because, you know, there's little numbers all around. If you see something, please dial these numbers. Like, you know. Oh, my God. You know, whatever. And so he calls Park. I'm calling. The, I'm just like, dude, would you go and leave us alone? There were people who had come and was like, sir, um, can you give us directions to such and such and such? Trying to get this man to carry on about his business. And he just would not stop. And then he was insistent. Like, oh, I'm not being a jerk here. And I was like, uh, you, no, you're an asshole. That's you what guys you could have just walked away. We, like, well, so we actually ended up leaving. But what pissed me off is what if we wasn't ready to go? Right, what if we want right. to just sit here, continue enjoying ourselves, looking out on the water, chilling? No, we right. ended up leaving because this man called some authority who I did not want to have been encountering with me and my black husband. Right. You know, so I, I think that 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 type of issue, that type of um, privilege, just like Miss Amy Cooper, who out here starting stuff when she's 100 percent in the wrong like, come on, folks. Like, did you did you also see? Hold on, did you see that Cuomo wants to pass a bill yes. now called the Amy Cooper <laughs> bill? Right, false, wow. false nine one one. Amy Cooper, false, false nine one one for false nine one one. I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need Ooh, everybody he, to sign off on that Amy Cooper. Real, you can tell he from New York. He is petty, child. I <laughs> love, I, I love it. Like, but he <laughs> wants to call it the Amy Cooper, I like false nine one one. Oh my god. Yes. yes. It serves her right because you don't do that. Yeah. You don't do that because she didn't do it just once. She did it twice. But An African American guy is threatening my life. The, uh, right. But the thing is, 
she knew exactly what she was doing. Yes. That's the problem. It's like, how can you know that I need to, I'm going to call the police. I'm going to throw, it's almost like, let me put you in your place, little right. black man. Don't think right. you can tell me what to do. Cause I will call the police on you and weaponize my white girl tears. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I just, I hate that. I really do. I really do. And I love, all, I love all people, but I really hate when white people take your whiteness and you turn it into a weapon against people of color. Like I hate that. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah, I know. But we're gonna we're gonna get too passionate. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and we'll talk breath. for hours. <laughs> we will talk forever. But uh, yeah, do you have? Let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. I've been enjoying the conversation. There's been a lot for us to talk about. Uh, Adelise, would you wrap us up with some dope tips? Yes. So um, going back to fatherhood effect, man. Like I think it all boils down to baggage, right? So some of the things that we um, have when we are younger or um, when we're when we're being raised with or without a father, it gives us stuff, right? It gives us baggage. So the dope wife tip of the week is to address your baggage before you say I do. Keyword, before you say I do. So if we're be if we're real, we all have stuff and if you're walking around thinking that you don't, uh, quit lying to yourself because <laughs> uh, you do. Um, our stuff can look different. It could be abuse. It could be finances. It could be past relationships, childhood, upbringing, and the list goes on. It could be being father, like fatherless or having a father, things we saw, things we don't want. But regardless, um, if we don't address our stuff or our baggage, then we run a high, high risk of causing gaps um, in our in our emotional banks, in our marriages, and in just in relationships that we might want to see thrive. Um, so if you are a wife that hasn't addressed your stuff, it's definitely not late. Let's recognize the baggage that you carry into the marriage and learn how to find wholeness whether that be through communication with your spouse about your stuff or seeking professional help, um, addressing it can save a marriage and bring wholeness and peace to you as well. So be patient with yourself, dope wife. I promise you it takes time. Healing takes time. Being able to address your things and recognize your things and being vulnerable, that all takes time. So give yourself time to heal. Be patient with yourself. Um, and that's about it. That's my dope wife tip. Excellent. I love it. I love it. Yes. Y'all, I have enjoyed talking with you all today and going over these things. Um, dope wives out there. Just remember, listen to what Adelie said. You know, definitely be patient with yourself. Take some time. Get some therapy. Uh, work on you. Uh, and make sure that you are intentional about healing those places of brokenness. If you're a fatherless daughter, work on that. If you are a woman who had a father who was uh, abusive or uh, not present or however your situation is, work on that. Because uh, our goal is always to keep you in a healthy marriage and to get you till death do you part. We love you here at 3 Dope Wives and we will see you again next time. Bye. This has been another episode of Three Dope Wives. Sis, we are so glad you took a minute to get real with us. Yep. Listen, I want you to know something. Every day a woman is married and a wife is made. Vows are exchanged and hopes arise. Mm -hmm. And every day a woman's dreams are crushed. Ush. Let me tell you, crushed. Crushed <laughs> by the yep. reality of what marriage 
really is. True. Stay tuned with us and we will help you survive another day of this crazy, crazy, crazy married life. Crazy married life. I promise we will. Now, if you would like to submit a question or a topic of discussion, please send your request to 3dopewives at gmail.com. That's T-H-R-E-E, dopewives at gmail.com. And we'll see you again next time, girl.